What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we're going to talk all things health-related. We're going to talk all about and all sorts of health information, as well as clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. Today, we have Tom... How do you say your last name? Sheehan. 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 That's right. So it's two pronunciations. Sheehan and Sheehan. I should have asked before and I blew it. No worries. No worries. (laughs) So yeah, we've got Tom here who's got a very interesting story. Um, And yeah, we're going to jump right into it. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, what kind of movement you practice and uh, yeah, how you got to where you are today. All righty. Well, in a nutshell. (laughs) In a a nutshell. So uh, I lived here on Daniel Island in in Charleston for about 10 years. I recently retired from the federal government, so I was in law enforcement, and I worked with Secret Service and the Federal Air Marshal Program for 25 years. And uh, most of my time, well, not most, about half of my time was spent in training. So I love training folks and and being trained myself. And uh, originally from Washington, D.C., and uh, now settled here in the low country. So you did all the training for, like... That's kind of what your focus was. That was my focus. In the field, you'd be training other cadets or whatever. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I worked at the academy, uh, for, at Super Service Academy yep. um, uh, during my career. And that was my goal was to get there because I just love training. In fact, my favorite time uh, of the Secret Service was going through the academy. Most people hate it. I love to be trained. Um, I love to learn. Mm-hmm. And I also love to teach. Awesome. And then after 9-11... Uh, the air marshal program was standing up and uh, I was contacted by a, a, f- a former colleague who would, who would help stand up that program. And they asked if I was interested in coming over and starting a training program uh, for the mid Atlantic for, for the air marshal program. What types of things would you train people in? Everything from shooting uh, to combatives to tactics. So essentially everything that they would need uh, physically on the job and also specialize a little bit in, well, completely in use of force. So the use of force paradigm. Okay. From Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, so, a lot of questions there already from what you said. Sure. So you, you see it all the time and, and videos now on the news of excessive force. Well, that paradigm is knowing what weapon to use when dealing with a, an assailant, with a subject. Based off of environment, okay. the assailant. Exactly. What's what, available? What, what that what the assailant uh, is using mm-hmm. as a weapon. Yep. And and you have to of course essentially stay one above that that assailant's uh, use of force. So uh, enough to control the least amount of force necessary to control the situation, but you have to make sure you control the situation. Right. You can't ever fall behind in that continuum. Otherwise, you, you could end up, of course, getting hurt or or worse killed. Can you give us an example? Sure. So if if uh, you have a stick or, or a nightstick, mm-hmm. I need to have a gun, right? Or if you have a fist, I need to have a nightstick, right? So I'm always one up above what you're doing is the ideal to control the situation. Where does a knife fall into play? Uh, that, that's firearm. That's deadly force, right? So, uh, so you need a gun. You got to have a gun. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, distance is key. You hear 
uh, law enforcement talk about that all the time. Um, in fact, I, I once did a demonstration with a famous knife fighter by the name of Steve Tarani. And I had a gun uh, shooting some munition. Mm-hmm. And he had a, uh, a knife that was uh, laced in chalk. So, so anyways, we were standing about four or five feet apart. Um, interesting story. I should, I, no, I, I'm already liking it. <laughs> so he says, hey, let's, let's go ahead and let's test this out. So all the, the instructors around, I volunteered to do it thinking my hand speed would be quick enough to get out of the holster and, and shoot him. Prior. Within how many feet remind me? Uh, about four feet. Very, okay. very close. So like two or three steps. Two or three steps. But yeah. my, my thought is I'm going to back up. I'm going to create distance, right? Because distance is my friend. Yep. Create that distance and, and get these shots off before he can get to me. And uh, so <laughs> as, as they said, go. He quickly dropped to the floor and grabbed my wrist as it was on my gun. And I could not get my gun out of the holster. And then he filleted me like a fish. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was, a, it was a big eye opener for me, right? So, yeah, knives are extremely uh, dangerous to law enforcement officers. And uh, it's critical. Distance is the most important uh, mm-hmm. situation there. And, of course, you, you've got to be one up. You've got to have a, you've got to have a gun to yep. handle a situation like that. Yeah. Very, very dangerous situation. So tell us a little bit more. Um... Well, I want to circle back to one thing. Like, sure. I know a little bit about law enforcement, just with some friends and colleagues, but so combatives, combatives, combatives yes. Right. Yes. What does that mean? What does that entail? You know, like what sorts of training did you do as far as combatives is concerned? So as an instructor, you, we, uh, as you go through the academy, uh, you'll have one to two hours a day uh, of combatives. And in it, we go from everything from the very beginning. We teach students how to fall, uh, which you think, oh, wow, what does that have to do with combat as well? Very often in altercations, you're going to fall. You're going to go to the ground, right? So learning how to fall is where we start. And then from there, we build. And uh, everything from striking uh, to grappling to use of baton to use of pepper spray uh, to use of firearm. Um, all the way up that, you know, all of the weapons that are available to you what, as an agent or an officer. Right. So in training some of these, you know, cadets or some of the, you know, mm-hmm. probably some Recruits people were too. active, right? Where you're training people even who are not in the academy? Or is it really just cadets is typically what you're Typically training? it's cadets. We also do did in-service training. Yeah. So you would come back, especially uh, the presidential protection detail, would come back and, and do training. Kind of like re-up, like a CPR re-up. certification, right? Yes, to exactly right. familiarize yourself. Not everybody's practicing these things every day. And That's right. Fortunately, all they probably sh- should be. They, right? they should be. And, and yep. you see that issue today. So much of the uh, excessive force, it's because, unfortunately, there's not the time or the budget for officers, officers to go back in and review and recertify on these issues. Right. So, they have to do it themselves. They have to do it themselves. Even their physical training, right? They have to That's do it exactly. themselves. That's Unfortunately, exactly Unfortunately, it's right. not a requirement. That's exactly right. So, so we yeah. would do in-service training and, and or new cadets. Right. Coming. So okay, here I was going to say. So the cadets, I'm just really curious. You have probably a group of people, more than likely, who are, are relatively in shape. Relatively in shape, yes, because um, – you, you have to pass some sort of physical test. You have to test. pass you know, some physical uh, performance test before you get hired. Exactly okay. right. What now. do you like? No, just real quick. Sure. Um, so, uh, 
one one test to get in the air marshal service is you, you come out and you have to run a mile and a half in the prescribed amount of time. What's that prescribed? Um, uh, yeah, excellence. Excellent is under ten minutes and five seconds for a mile and a half. Pretty That's good. excellent. And then you could probably go as high for a, for a male uh, as high as twelve forty five. Sure, that would be on the low end. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're looking for guys that are. You know, you want yeah, to it's like an eight-minute mile, right? Eight to seven minutes. That's mile, right. You, right. You yeah. you you need to accomplish that, yeah. and then you have pull-ups. Uh, excellent would be ten or above. So we're looking. Can't for, butterfly those pull-ups. You can't either. butterfly exactly. Come right. on. That's right. Can't, can't do, can't <laughs> no, do kipping. no kipping. No yeah. kipping. No uh, kipping. Then you do uh, sit-ups. Yep. And push-ups. Okay. And the numbers are roughly 50-50 of fifty. Push-ups, yeah. 50 sit-ups. We did a um, we had a patient here who was in the National Guard, yeah. and he told us what standard they need with the push-ups. And we did a little contest. It's a CrossFitter. It was me, and it was the patient, and then uh, Mesa, who's our female PT. And uh, you know, you couldn't. I think you could you could do anything but reposition your hands, and you had to get right. as many push-ups as you could. Yes. yes. In two minutes. Two, two, two minutes. Two minutes. Yes. Right. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. Like it was hard, you know. Right. It's pretty hard. Right. It was fun stuff. So, um, I know this, but for the audience, it seems like your main interest is in Brazilian. It jiu-jitsu. is. I grew up uh, with striking. Uh, I grew up boxing. Um, my pop was a amateur boxer, so I had an interest in boxing and also uh, kickboxing and taekwondo. Um, and then I ran into uh, a guy by the name of Mario Yamasaki, who is a uh, a UFC referee now, people may know him from that, but he, he at the time had a very small school up in Washington, DC. And he was smaller than I was at the time. And he threw me around like a rag doll, beat me up like, like it was nothing. And I said, I've got to learn that. And so, um, that's how you control the situation. That's right how you there. control it. Exactly right. right. And he, he was beating me with uh, joint locks and, uh, and also uh, vascular restraints, chokes. Mm-hmm. And he was doing it without ever having to strike me, taking me down to the ground and controlled me at ease. And I said, you know what? I need to learn what this guy knows. And so I started to focus more on that. And then uh, I was training under him. And then we had a student come through the Secret Service Academy in roughly 97, a guy by the name of Scott Devine. And... Uh, he was a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time, which at that time, it was hard to find a purple belt, right? Uh, it because w- it, it wasn't popular or just that difficult to it do? It wasn't popular on the East Coast. Okay. And it, it was relatively new to the States. Of course, the, the first UFC highlighted Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with Hoist Gracie in 1993. Mm-hmm. And so it was growing in popularity in California. was not super... Uh, common or popular. On Not even coast. in the military. No. Uh, ni- 1997-98, the army started to adapt it uh, yep. as their core uh, self-defense program. What were they doing before? I'm just curious. Do you, you, know? you know, I'm not super... Uh, like, was there, sure. was there even a, like a, a system around it? Maybe I'm sure it they just, did. Okay. I'm sure they had a striking, but not much ground groundwork. groundwork. And some of... The army introduced because they recognized how valuable it was. Because well, most fights, I mean, you can maybe tell me, end up on the ground. On the ground. Right? That's exactly right. Yep. They, they all they all generally start standing up, but most end on the ground. That's yep. exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you have also the advent of people like uh, Jocko. You sure. know who that is, right? Yes. And yes. he's really made yes. 
BJJ even more popular. Yes, through his podcast. But but really, uh, he was late in the game. I think. Sure. The army was. I guess maybe from like a mainstream perspective, like everyone now knowing, like you say, BJJ, most people who are in in the health world be like, oh, I totally know what that is. Yes. Reference, you know, yeah. Jocko, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. MMA and that kind of stuff. That's right. Which is awesome. He's doing an amazing job. I've I've only heard two or three of his podcasts, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I want to read his book, Extreme Ownership. Yes, I've got um, got it on audiobook. I think I sparred. This is off subject. In 1998, I was out in Camp Pendleton mm-hmm. uh, doing some training with the Secret Service, and SEAL Team One was doing some training next to us. And uh, I was doing a little jujitsu with a guy from the service there on the in the parking lot, the sand parking lot. And I want to say that I rolled with Jocko. He was relatively new at it at the time. But somehow I got involved with the SEAL teams and next thing you know, yeah. I'm, we're rolling around in the parking lot. And I think it was Jacko. I don't know. I've got, I have to go out and meet him and ask yeah. him a question. But that's awesome. I remember he was. He has there. a similar story. So I listened to his. I found out about him from the Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, you haven't listened to that? Like yes. He tells this kind of story. And it's very similar. It's like I got my butt handed to me. Yeah. And I was like, I have to learn this. This is by far the most effective thing I've seen. Absolutely. Like this is, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Like yeah. if you want to learn one martial art a way to defend yourself as far as like one-on-one is concerned that yeah. would be the most effective way would you say i would say having yeah. been a stand-up striker right uh, no matter how skilled you are as a stand-up fighter right if you get a big powerful guy who, who can get off that one shot there's a potential for him to knock you out mm-hmm. it's far less likely that that's going to happen to you if you can get somebody to the ground yeah. uh a famous guy by the name of john donaher who's a famous Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach, he talked to, he once said, you know, why do cowboys take steers to the ground before they brand them? Because if you try to do and stand up, that, that steer is going to kick and move and kill way you. Way stronger than you. Yeah. Way stronger. Yeah. But once you get him off the ground, he's lost a lot of his power, right? Mm-hmm. And and you can get it done. So the same with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't want to trade blows with somebody who's 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier than I am. I'd rather take them to the ground, use leverage, use technique mm-hmm. to overcome that's where your skill will that, come into play. It, it'll it'll that's right. Yeah. Far less likely uh, of you getting injured once you get it down to the ground. So with those cadets circling back, yes. I knew we'd go yeah, on tirades. Yeah. Um, how were they at falling? Was that a difficult task for a lot of those guys to like I don't really know how to fall. Nobody's ever taught me. Like sure. I've naturally when I fall I'm like and kind of tuck and roll and like I have relatively good body awareness, yes. but you know, were they just like, you know, newborn giraffes and trying to figure some of these movements out with or? the rolling or I'm sorry, with the, uh, with the falling, it's relatively simple to okay. teach, but rolling, like you said, a yep. front roll, boy, you could see who the athletes were and who, who was not because that front roll seems extremely difficult for about 20 to 30% of the population mm-hmm. to kind of figure out. So, um, falling. Okay. But the front roll, yeah, is an it's issue. What an were issue. some like tactics? Cause this is something that I'm really super passionate about is, you know, training is one thing, but having like body awareness and be able to like move your body in a skillful way is yes. something that we don't really talk or focus on as a health and fitness world. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just more like, Hey, get stronger. Hey, stretch your muscles. Right. There's not much. This is like, Hey, control your body and guess what? All these amazing things you can accomplish. Yeah. So what were some things that you did to like help, you know what I mean? Like give them better body awareness or, 
or what were some things that were effective for you? Well, in, in combatives, one of the most important things that we would teach for law enforcement officers is distance, right? Controlling the distance with the subject. Mm -hmm. And in our line of work, we always worked in pairs, generally speaking pairs. And so we had businessman guards. So if I'm engaged with you, I'm the, the businessman engaged in a conversation with you, but I have my guard off to the side, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's going to come in and, and take you down or yeah. start the uh, the process of arresting you, right? Right. Um, so the biggest thing in, in combatants, and quite frankly, in fighting, in my opinion, is controlling the distance, the distance that you want to fight not where your adversary wants to fight. So that may be in close. That may be it could be, ground. could be, it might be far away. Depending on what your strengths are. Exactly right. Interesting. And I'll, I'll say controlling the distance has helped prevent fights for me. Sure. In guys who, who they want to engage, they want to fight, but you know what? They're a little bit outside their comfort zone as far as the distance goes. Is that usually far away or very For close? me, for me, it's a little bit farther away. I want to, I want to have one and a half, to two arms reach away from you because now you've got to come into, into that circle, right? You've got to come into that. You've got to come zone. into my space. Into my, space. my space. And I own it. Yeah. I own it. Whether it be if I have a baton in my hand or, or quite simply my hands. Yeah. And grappling. So, yeah. yeah. So as far as the skill, let's go yes. through like the skill of actually Brazilian jiu-jitsu or the skill of rolling yes. or whatever. Like, I'm just really curious how people, you what in particular. Happen? Yeah. Teach that. Like what's, yes. what's like effective there? So, like just purely repetition? So like, often, so often when, and this is, I'm going back to the nineties, but you hear about police officers getting killed with their own guns, mm -hmm. right? And nine times out of 10, those guns were taken from the officers while on the ground. Right. So that's where we would start our training is worst case scenario. Cause as a law enforcement officer, generally, you don't ever want to go to the ground with a subject because you can't use all your tools. You can't control the distance then. Interesting. That right. is a last case resort. You don't. Yeah. Generally Even speaking. Even if the, the uh, adversary doesn't have a weapon of any kind. Yeah. But there's always a gun involved in the fight. <laughs> right. right? There's always a gun because there's one on, on the officer. Yeah. Right. So when you get down and you start grappling, guns can come out um, or the subject can get to it. Now, once if you're a skilled fighter, right, you can control that a little bit. But you, you're asking a recruit who doesn't spend as much time as they need to be to be considered uh, an expert, right? Right. So, uh, but but you got to teach them. You mm -hmm. got to teach them, and in a block of time, you got to teach them how to keep that gun in the holster and control it. Um, so we we talk about worst case scenario. You got taken down to the ground, and the subject's on top of you. And in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which makes it unique, uh, one of the things that makes it unique is the guard position where you, you wrap your legs around the individual and pull them in. And you can control that space. Control You're it. on your back? You're on your back. And you're wrapping your legs around the person who's on top of you. That's right. Your legs are above their hips. Yep. And you can pull them in and control them. And you can hold their head down so they can't headbutt you and they, they have a hard time striking. Um, and, and then we teach them how to keep the gun in the holster. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, those who know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's a very common move called the Kimura, uh, where you keep that gun in the holster. Very, very tough. It, once you perfect this technique for the subject to get the gun out. Yeah. Um, but if given the opportunity, because now we're pushing close to a deadly force situation. Right. You're fighting for a gun. We teach a move called the Kimura, where you sit up and you essentially do a shoulder lock. 
and then you separate you separate their shoulder, you tear the rotator cuff. In a, Ouch. Yeah. Yes. They might need some PT after that. So, yes. Yeah. I've had it done to me. I've yeah. lost my rotator cuff really? to, to this move. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Um, was that in training or was that in like uh, uh, it was in training? It was in training with a colleague. Okay. Uh, and I just didn't tap soon enough. Interesting. Yeah. So as far as the like well, let's, let's so, even go backwards. Yes. Like, how did you get in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? How do you feel? You know what I mean? Just give me a little well, more, like, you know, just like, you know, I, I know the kind of story of how I got introduced, but like, obviously now you have your own yes. school here on Daniel Island, yes. right? You're training people. So like, how did you get to that? Like, well, well, you know? In, in 1993, I, uh, I saw the first UFC and uh, Hoist Gracie uh, won that competition and he was six foot 180 and at the time i was probably six foot 160 mm-hmm. i said well heck i'm not built much differently than that guy i said that's as close to being a superhero as you can be the fact that he was taking down 250 pound guys and beating them without even punching them there's no weight class there no weight class yeah. and there were very little rules at the that wild time. west it was the wild wild west and yeah. i said this is amazing i've got to know that's cool what that is now i had experienced it once or twice previously uh, where i ran across certain gyms and they were they were dinking with it but they didn't really understand it completely they didn't have a uh, a great instructor so then that was 93 i saw it and then i ran into mario Yamasaki in 1996 or seven, maybe. Sure. And I went in and sparred with him and he just. That's where you just, you got your. Completely annihilated yeah. me. And I said, my God, I've been training all these years and I don't know anything of what's going on. I was like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. I was helpless. And I said, I've got to know what this guy knows. And how did you go about that journey? I went to him and I said, I got to know what you know. Oh, teach me. Teach me. Yeah. And so he, I started, I became one of his students. Okay. It was a very, very small group at that time. Um, and it was very hard. He was very, very hard on his students. Um, what types of things, when you say hard, like uh, physically demanding, mentally demanding, all of the above? All of the above. And when you sparred? I mean, we were just getting after it. Everybody yeah. just coming to get you. I've got it to, was like a shark tank. Yeah. I've got to come to a class because I've heard that you guys kind of do sometimes like a minute on, right? And like yes. a minute off or something to that. And like yes. it's supposed to be the most exhausting. Yes. Or if you look at it, you're like, oh, you're not running, you're not lifting. It can be that hard, right? Well, but well, like and, and, I've heard horror stories. And with my school, I'll, I'll, I won't let you roll, uh, truly roll for a couple months. Really. Yeah. But then... Mario Yamasaki, he'd teach you one or two classes, say, okay, get in there and, and roll. You still didn't know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And these guys who've been training six months, eight months, they say, oh, there's new meat here. And they would just annihilate you. <laughs> annihilate yeah. you. Trial by fire. Trial by fire. Yep. And so, again, it, it it really wasn't until six months in that, you know, and then a new guy would come in and I got a chance to tap yeah. somebody. But I just stuck it out and I uh, got to the rank of purple belt under the Yamasaki. Um, and then, uh, when I came to Charleston, I started to train here, um, and then reunited with my buddy, Scott Devine from the Mm -hmm. service. He was based out of Brunswick, Georgia, and started training again with him under him. And, and then eventually reached the the rank of black belt. Okay. And And, and now, so here I am in retirement. Yep. And yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. How far out? Like just a month, just a month. month. Oh man. 
So I was working. You're still getting used to it. Then. Still getting used. I'm to it. sure. Yeah. Still getting used. To it. But, tired. Yeah, but Robert, who owns uh, uh, CrossFit Discovery here on Daniel Island, said, "You know what? You ought to you ought to think about teaching classes here." And so you weren't even thinking about. it. I was not even thinking about it. What were you doing in your retirement? I was looking at some contract work. Okay. And I had a gardening. Uh, no, no, in the, in the same same line of work. Yeah. Same line of work. I was going to do some contract work, and I had an offer but it was going to take me away from home. And so I have uh, uh, two kids still at home, one young, only nine years old. Oh, wow. And so I didn't, I didn't want to create any, uh, take any time away from the family. So it, it's turning out to be a stopgap. And already the this, this school is very successful. We have a lot of great students here, um, fantastic people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so plenty of open space, plenty of open yeah. space, a beautiful facility. Yep huge mats and uh, just well, we have four or five black belts coming in from around the, the low country Charleston area to, on any given night. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great spot to learn. That's awesome. Yeah. Don't you do, do you do like a free, like on the mat? Not anymore. I was just in the beginning. Free. Like a free come and check out the, the absolutely. Class. Absolutely. Yeah. We, when is that? Yeah. Anytime you want. Oh, okay. I mean, we have our evening classes. The, the best time probably is Saturday at 10 o'clock. Yeah. We have an open mat. So it's a less formal, less structured mm -hmm. class, but you'll always have two or three black belts here and we can pull you aside and give you an introduction and, and, you won't get thrown to the, the wolves like I did right. back then with Mario. Right. Um, and, and I got to mention his brother, Fernando and Fernando Yamasaki was a great instructor and friend to me and mentor as well as. Those uh, seem like conflicting names. Yeah. Fernando and Yamasaki, you know? Well, you know what? So he's Brazilian. They're Brazilian. Oh. But his father had immigrated from Japan. Okay. So he's half Japanese, half, half Brazilian. Okay. So okay. Hence the name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those guys were fantastic. Really got me hooked on it and were super, uh, super instructors. And then of course, now I, I ended up with divine who I had met at the secret service Academy. Mm -hmm. Um, and now it's sort of come full circle and now I own my own school and I'm excited about it. Cool. How do you, so this school, or let's call it Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a training modality in and of itself, yes. do you think it's something that, you know, most people can do and like, it's their form of exercise, like, that, Tell me a little bit more. That's because those people are like they would think, okay, this is karate. I just need to learn it. It's self defense. That's all yeah, it is. Yes. So we both know it's more than that. Let, let's explain that. Absolutely. A bit more. So, and that, that's a great point because Brazilian Jiu Jitsu truly is for everybody. You have every age, every body type. Yeah, you're doing a, a kids class. Kids I've class. Seen you run a couple, not for the really young ones, but for the. What's that? One? We we have we just started a like a junior program where we just teach positions, no submissions okay, for, for yep. kids age five to seven. Yep. And that's only a half hour, thirty five minute class. Then we have They're ages <laughs> it's not gonna go that, right? nine yeah. nine to thirteen yep. is another class we have where we start to introduce submissions. And it's incredible how it's true yeah, about teaching an old dog new tricks. The young kids pick it up so much quicker. You could sometimes you show them one time and they've got it. Who doesn't want to do what's going on in the movie? I mean, just think about it, right? That's They're right. so motivated. That's right. And you can get the true attention of those kids. I it's mean, amazing. I'm sure. It's, it's amazing. I've got two or three kids now. I just, I'm blown I've away. I've seen it. You know what I mean? Because I'm usually here and I just see, you know, a few of the kids and you could just tell that they are yeah. bought in and you have probably more attention in that hour than they've had, that they get at school the whole entire time, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I just think it's so important. I'm sure you can echo this. Um, it's something I just saw an article recently today, like 
kids get significantly less physical play, which is kind of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like it's still a, an art and it's a skill and needs to be learned and it's a practice. But a lot of it's like two little bear cubs. Like my kids, yes. six and four, they love to wrestle each other. Physical yes. play is a part of their brain developing. And if they don't get that, I really feel like, um, you know, you're you're hindering their growth. Absolutely. I truly feel that way. We're losing that a little bit, right? Right. When we were kids. A little bit. You know, <laughs> a not PE class anymore. That's like right. It's, oh, it's fierce. That's right. You know, I'm not going to go on the soapbox today, but. Yeah. Probably later, but not right now. So, so we have those classes and then we have adult classes in the morning, mm -hmm. uh, morning and the evening. Um, you can check us out at divine D I. So that's D E V I N E D I. Yeah. Dot com. We'll link to it in the show notes. Great. And you could, you could check out our schedule, but the great thing is we have all walks of life, all ages, all body types and athlete or not. Chris Howder, a famous American black belt said this athlete or not. If you continue to come and train and learn within 10 years, you're going to be a black belt because it's so much based on technique and leverage. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be incredibly strong to do this. Now, it certainly helps, but athlete or not, if you can learn the techniques, the moves and string them together, uh, you, you can you can become a black belt. It takes much, much longer than it does in karate. But the upside is you're not getting punched in the face. You're not going home with headaches. Uh, you end a match when you're sparring with someone. You're grappling. It's ground-based. So if you get caught in a in a submission, which would be either a joint lock or, or, or choke, mm -hmm. you simply tap, which means, okay, I submit. And then you get to go right back and do it again. And you leave the gym. With no headaches, no concussions, um, but you know exactly where you stand at the end of every training session. And so, when I first started out for six months, I got ground into the into the mat, um, and then then someone new came in, and I get got to tap them. I'm like, oh, this is great. We're a little bit different now. We're a little softer, maybe. Sure. But but with the mi mindset, we're going to the same spot. We just want to do it in a smart, methodical way. There's no need to send, you know, the new student in to get pounded on, on the mats. Um, it, there's a very little value or benefit uh, to that. Right. We want to bring you along, give you the foundation that you need to defend yourself and get through those four or five minute rounds. And it is just incredible to see how quickly the students are, are progressing. We have a, a handful of uh, folks, uh, one, one guy's a professor at MUSC. He's 54 years old. We call him Mr. Jits because he's the oldest, uh, uh, student we yeah. have, but he's been training for four months and already you see how he's defending himself against 20 and 30 year old guys holding, holding his own and surviving. And in the beginning, that's what it's all about. It's just surviving. And, uh, it's so it, you build patience, you build, um, uh, a resilience to, to, to struggle, right? And you get stronger and, and you build this foundation until eventually you're holding your own and you're submitting other, other opponents. Yeah. I love that you said that, like resilience to struggle. And even, even what martial arts has done a really good job of where some other training modalities haven't is it's a 10 year process. Yes. Like you like there's no, Getting around that. It's not like uh, Olympic lifting or yoga or like, people like I'm just going to pick this up. I'm going to do a handstand or I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to start snatch. Like 
this is it's a 10-year process to become expert to this like that's how most things are people and it requires resilience to struggle i'm going to focus on that because i love those three words you know and and that's a skill that we all need to learn yeah and i think that's so important to give to our kids today because right we Everything all, is handed to my child as much as I try it not to be, you know, you, just the you, world we live in. You and I both. Yep. You and I both. And um, so my kids are doing it now. Um, and what a change, right? I see in them uh, a, a confidence, certainly. It bleeds to other, and, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. So if you're, you see them uh, go through the struggle on the mat, win and losing. So there's no one to blame but themselves when they win or lose. Mm -hmm. But they learn to deal with that success and failure and a confidence and a humility. That yeah. goes along I with failed it. and I'm going to get up and do it again. And, and, then, again. and then failing and then actually succeeding from yes. failure, it seems like that doesn't happen a lot either. Absolutely. So being able to learn that in a little microscope. And, and giving my kids a little bit of struggle in life, yeah. I think is fantastic. It's, it's making them better people. Yeah. And, you know, for adults, uh, of course, we all have those stressors in life, right? We all have our own struggles, right? But the beautiful thing about coming to jujitsu is when you're working out on the mats and someone is trying to choke you unconscious. Yeah. All of those other issues that you had boiling during the day, they're gone. Yeah. They are gone for that hour and a half. All you can focus on is working out training and surviving. Yeah. It's meditative. Absolutely. No and you come off those mats refreshed and, and ready to face the day, yeah. the, the grind the very next day. Yeah. Yeah. To circle back, like when you agree that coming to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu can be your one form of, Staying healthy and Absolutely. physical fitness. Physi physically and mentally, right? Right. Um, it's okay. such a, a relief or, or, or a reducer in stress after getting through one of these workouts that, and, and also the lessons you learn on the mats, right? Mm -hmm. Of patience, humility. I think those are the big ones. Yep. Um, uh, it, it makes you a better person. And the fact that you have to work with a partner, right? Uh, very often when we spar or we drill and pretty closely, let's be honest, like you're rolling, somebody's on top of you. Like I'm sure it's not very comfortable, you know, and that's right. And some people are weird, you know, maybe weird about that stuff. Like yeah. you have to get in close and you get over it pretty quick. You I'm get sure. over it. You have to get over it pretty, you yeah. will get over it pretty quick. But, but I, I talk about uh, when we drill. So drilling is will typical class will be, I'll show a move and then you and your partner will drill it uh, for 10 to 15 minutes, 20 minutes until you feel like you have it, have it uh, solid in yeah. your mind. Yep. And then as we move to the sparring session, then you try to affect it during the role. But but that partnership with your partner, it, I, I say it's much like a marriage, right? It's got to be give and take. And if one person's taken more than given during the, the drilling portion, then it's not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. So you really have to be giving and help the other, uh, your, your partner. So they can learn. So they can learn effectively. Mm -hmm. And... The better you get, the better I'm going to get, right? So it's it's much like that, give yeah. and take. And, and they then become a little teachers themselves almost, absolutely. right? Like helping each other because I don't know about you, but I'm sure you you know this as well as the, if I learn something new and then I teach somebody else, that's like ingrained in my brain for, forever. Forever. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you get to do that almost immediately. That's right. Right. You learn it yourself. You teach it yourself. And man, I'm sure that skill, like you said, has a huge return on investment pretty quickly. For sure. Yeah. For sure. No, that, that's uh, that's awesome stuff. So in that same strain, right, mm -hmm. the, the question that I ask everybody who comes on my podcast is, you know, 
what would you consider kind of a healthy person? Like, what is your definition of health? If you could give it, well, one, you know, I, I, I would say you know, healthy in mind mm-hmm. and spirit. Yep. And body. Yep. Right. All, all three and, and a balance in there. Um, and, and I, for me, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is the outlet or the, the martial art that helps me balance all three. Um, right. Certainly it's physically uh, demanding for sure. Yep. Right. And helps keep you in great shape mentally. It's like a fast game of chess. Not only do you have to, um, to memorize all your moves, but then you have to apply them and counter whatever is being put at you. So, right. uh, intellectually, uh, it challenges you, challenges you in that, in that way. And then spiritually, uh, in spirit, certainly the friendships, the camaraderie, the closer you, you fight with somebody, the 10, yeah. it tends to be the closer the relationship, right? Friendship. You're probably developing a little community with all the community. people that you train with. Absolutely. There's a, yeah. there's a, and with the students, loyalty and friendship is an amazing thing. But also, someone once said the truth comes out on the mat, right? So if you have a flaw, it will eventually expose itself on the mat, whether it be your temper or sure. or impatience or... Something that you may have buried or yes. not thought about or found a way to uh, compensate for yes. is going to come out right there. And it, you can either A, deal with it or... They're probably not that, going to continue, unfortunately. That, that's right? exactly going right. to weed those people out very quick. That's exactly. If they can't deal with it and, and correct it, mm-hmm. then they eventually they they go by the wayside, right? Yeah. So so you you're constantly being self improvement, and and certainly the guidance of friends and partners challenged exactly that you the spiritual side of the you know the the self uh, is improved. So that's so cool. It's a lot of fun. You um, want to do some Spitfire? Sure. Want to have some fun with this? Sure. All right, cool. Will I get in trouble? <laughs> uh, no, no, we've had some. <laughs> You're good, I promise. Um, what are you best at? One word, first thing you think of. Teaching. Awesome. What do you suck at? What are you worst at? It's always hard for people, and that's so funny. Yeah. Okay, just give it a second. <laughs> Let's come back to that. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm bad at a lot of things. I'm bad at so <laughs> yeah. many things. Uh, I'm having our, but you know, nothing's popping right in. But yeah. listen. Well, hey, we'll circle back. I've got, I've got a lot of issues, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is the number one thing the public should do to maintain their health and fitness? If you could pick one thing. Somebody's like, I feel like crap. I don't know what to do. Like, all right, what's the one thing that they should start doing and Heck, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is definitely an answer. I think pick anything, any sport, any activity that interests you and just go out and get involved. There's so many different levels, right? Uh, Whether it be jiu-jitsu or whatever it is, whatever kind of interests you. And then you can create goals from that, right? Whether it be, hey, I want to go run a 5K, right? Just pick something that kind of interests you or you think will be good for you or you'll enjoy and just Get out and do it. And don't be afraid. We all start uh, at zero, at right? Beginning. Especially in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And we're going to mentor you, especially with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We're going to mentor you and bring you along. And we won't put you in a bad spot uh, until we think you're you're ready to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, my takeaway just right now and thinking about everything is, and it's difficult for a lot of people, but challenging yourself. That's it. Do something that's hard. Yeah. And then come out the other side. 
Yeah. You know, like even people like for me, I really enjoy CrossFit. I really enjoy running, like physically exhausting myself. There's not much mental struggle with that stuff though. Right. And so like getting out of my comfort zone and doing something like that would be totally different and for other people too. Like, you know, get out of your comfort zone and do something that, cha- that truly challenges you yeah. and that you're like scared to go to the first class and you're scared yes. to go to every class for the next three months. And that, then you're like, that makes total sense. Yeah. I, mean, I, I promise you, if you, if you come, uh, that fear will be uh, erased quickly because yeah. we're, we're going to take good care of you. Yeah. We're not going to throw you to the, to the lions on, the, on your first night. That's awesome. Yeah. All for it. So we'll have some fun ones. Sure. Okay. These are easy. What is your walkout song? Uh, um, You're coming out on stage, MMA. Yeah. I like, I like, <laughs> I like Arturo Gotti as a fighter. He and Mickey Ward had some battles and he walked out to, uh, Thunder, I think by ACDC. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that would probably Thunderstruck. Be. Thunderstruck. Thunder. That's yeah, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And it's a good walkout yeah. song. That's like we did a questionnaire on a, a Facebook group and that we asked that for a while. And that was by far one of the most popular. Is that right? Yeah, it's really funny. There's there's another there's another <laughs> one. And I can't die, so I'm terrible with music. I don't I'll follow it. But uh Me recently came out last year or two and it's uh, I think I'm the man. Do you know that's? Uh, I know that's the 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 one of the lyrics from the first. Yeah, but he's it's like, like the refrain essentially. Yeah, I'm living on Maine. Yeah, I got a house on Maine. Yeah, got money in my pocket, cash, whatever. I'm the man. I'm the man. That's funny. I'll have to look that one up for sure. <laughs> so, your favorite cartoon? Got kids? Maybe you had some cartoons when you were a kid. God, right. going back in the day, uh, Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Yeah. yeah. That's honestly a very for common sure. one. I love Looney Tunes, man. Also, when I was a little Speed Racer, I don't know if anyone knows. Oh yeah, I know exactly. Speed Racer. They like redid that movie. I never watched it. I haven't seen. You it. know, I think that was like early two thousand. They tried to make a movie out of it, and I think it flopped pretty bad. But yeah, Speed Racer, I used to watch that too. If you weren't a Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher, yes, this is going to be an easy one for you. Mm-hmm. What would you be? At this stage of my life, probably if if I had my druthers, I'd like to be a teacher. I'd like to work with in some capacity, some capacity, whether it be middle school, high school, college, something, or or just helping people. Right. Mm -hmm. So my son would always ask me uh, early on. I didn't let him know exactly what I did for a living, just because he didn't need to know. Yeah. He says, "Pop, what do you do?" And I said, "Well, I help people, and I do. I get great satisfaction out of helping people, whether it be." through protecting them or, or teaching them, helping them uh, be the best uh, they can be. Right. That's as cliche as that yeah. is. <laughs> the uh, last book you read. Uh, I'm reading right now. Um, uh, Thinking in bets by Annie Duke, Annie Duke. Okay. Um, What's she, that about? She's a math professor, but also a, uh, a professional poker player. Okay. And uh, Robert Van Newkirk uh, lent me the the book, and it's essentially dealing with you know making up making decisions, but the probability of sort of game theory of mm-hmm. what will go right, what will go wrong, and and what are the advantages? Huh? So it's it's just just some of the like philosophy behind the theory and how that applies to exactly life. Exactly right, and and That's and thinking at decision making from a gambler's perspective, which huh. I thought was kind of. Yeah, that sounds really neat. Also, uh, I'm also reading. I, I always read this book over and over again. I highly recommend this uh, for all uh, young ladies and, and women. Uh, Gift, the Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker, and it's uh, 
uh, focuses on uh, our intuition. Okay. And how it's, you know, we talk about women's intuition. Well, it's really human intuition that's been in us for thousands and yeah. thousands of years and essentially trust in it. When, you're, when your body is telling you something that's not quite right, um, to My trust experience it, are usually, it's usually right. It's usually right. That's yeah. exactly. Trusting your gut and. It may not be right in the way you think it's right. That's exactly you know, right. That's the hard, you know, that's, that's right. the and, hard part. And when it's not right. And the way well, you learn from that yep. right? and then you use it again next time around. So yeah. very, very important from a self-defense or self-preservation. Yeah. Uh, if there's a situation and you feel weird, it's not necessarily. Those warning signs yeah. prior to attack, pre-attack indicators, which of course is a, a big part of the secret service is yep. identifying those pre-attack indicators and then acting on it. Yeah. Being aware of your surroundings. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to assess situations. That's right. It's a skill in and of itself. Last thing, where can people find you? Here at CrossFit Discovery yeah. on Daniel Island. Yeah. What so, about um, online? Online, yep. Divine D-I. So that's D-E-V-I-N-E, D-I.com. .com. Okay. Yes, on Facebook also. Okay. Divine on Daniel Island is on Facebook. And then, of course, that website. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. I really appreciate it. It was this, a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, man, we could have talked even longer just – to dig into the nuts and bolts, but I think that's maybe another. Have me back sometime. Yeah. Oh, I will. We'll just, we'll just talk movement stuff. Cause I just think in general, again, we've lost the movement practice mentality, yes. which is really, really important. And I think finally making a comeback for a lot of people. Yes. And then just what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu does for one's body awareness and this whole kinesthetic sense. And like, for even for CrossFitters, being able to move your body in weird, different yes. ways. Like we're yes. very much taught nowadays that like, um, I call it like fear mongering for movement. Like if I bend my back, my back's going to explode. If I do, if I rotate, like this is going to happen. My knees can, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is such a huge adamant of how resilient the body is and how you can be in all these different positions yes. and then you can be stronger and adaptable for it. That's it. And, and essentially... Uh, the nuts and bolts is we're teaching you how to move your body on the ground to gain the most advantage, right? How to use your body, move it in certain ways to generate leverage, mm -hmm. right? And essentially overcome your opponent. Cool. So cool. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to healthy Charleston podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Um, if you did, please leave us a review on iTunes, you know, shoot that five-star rating. Let us know the things that you liked. Um, yeah, believe it or not, you can change people's lives. Thanks so much. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, where we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.